I grew up uh, with horses in my life from a very young age. Um, my mom's from Central Mexico, and we spent um, a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. And she used to use uh, horses as a main mode of transportation. That was Liz Beeson Evans of Caring Cowgirl. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from therapists, photographers, bartenders, and other San Franciscans telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to put into words what makes this city so special. Welcome to episode 21, part one. In this podcast, Liz tells us all about growing up with horses being very much a part of her life. She takes us through moving back to San Francisco a few years ago and some of the changes she's noticed in the city since then. Here's Liz. So yeah, so I moved to San Francisco about five years ago. Um, My husband and I, fiance at the time, we were living in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And it was great and it was cool and it was exciting, but we missed family and we missed being um, close to family. And so we moved back, like I said, about five years ago. And um, Sorry, where were you from before that? You said family. You have have family out here? Family is in Northern California in a really small town called Willows, which is near... Oh, I know Willows. um, You do know Willows. It's near um, Chico and Paradise. Yes. For people that don't know where Willows is. There's about 5,000 people there on a good day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Surrounded by rice fields, cornfields, almond orchards, all that good stuff. Very good stuff. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so we missed family. So that's why we came back to the West Coast. And um, coming back to the West Coast, we had a short stint in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. where I reconnected with my my cousin who's a farrier. And for those of you who don't know what a farrier is, um, (laughs) it's a fancy name for a person who puts horseshoes on horses' feet. Ah. Yeah, or blacksmith maybe is what they were. Okay. Called back in the day. Sure. Yeah. How do you spell that? Just for my reference later. Farrier. F-E-R-R-I-E-R. E-R. Farrier. Yep. Okay. Or it might be an A. It's alpha. <laughs> Google will sort it all out later. It's fine. Um, but yeah, long story short, I reconnected with him, which meant reconnecting with horses. I grew up uh, with horses in my life from a very young age. Um, my mom's from Central Mexico, and we spent um, a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. And she used to use uh, horse as a main mode of transportation. My mom grew up on a ranch in central Mexico, in Huejuquilla, Jalisco, mm-hmm. which is in uh, the far northern part of Jalisco. And, um, yeah, they had a ranch, and they had um, a farm, and they had animals, and pigs, and cows, and chickens, and horses. Wow. They had all of it. Yeah. Um, and so when she wanted to go to town, she would get on a horse or a mule or donkey whichever one was available um and she would go to town literally went to town on a on a horse to to just do normal life stuff go to go to the store go you know church go to meet up with her friends um and even after she had my older brother um she would put him in like one of those blanket backpack things and get on the horse and go to town wow yeah So hearing those stories growing up, it was like, of course, somehow I was going to end up working with horses. And then knowing my dad's story, he came from um, a small town called Alturas, California, which is um, close to the Oregon border, like Oregon, Nevada border. And they had hundreds of sheep. And at the time they sponsored um, a guy from Spain because um, 
he had this this person from Spain had a lot of experience with sheep, mm-hmm. so they sponsored him to come and work on on their ranch, and that's where he learned Spanish. Wow. So, cut to years later when he met my mom in in L.A. That's how he was able to woo her. Oh. Porque el abalba español with the gringo accento. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I come from a long line of farmers and ranchers. Um, I wasn't working with horses in New York City, um, but um, but yeah, when I came back to California and hung out with my cousin the farrier, um, I started working with horses there, and I started looking into what kind of careers, an actual career I could have with horses in my life, and um, I saw a picture of a little boy in a wheelchair. And he was holding the lead rope, which is basically like the leash mm-hmm. of the horse, right? And the horse is walking ever so sweetly and gently and slowly according to this child's kind of vibe and mm-hmm. speed. Mm-hmm. And I started ugly crying. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I, know, I always knew that horses had that capacity, but I always was able to walk up to the horse and get on the horse and ride the horse mm-hmm. without thinking about somebody having to adapt by you know being lower than or maybe having a speech impediment Mm -hmm. um that made life harder but with a horse it didn't make a difference the horse gets you whether you speak english spanish or only have the capability to say yes or no Mm -hmm. so because is that because they they're reading body language or if horses we get, are empathetic yeah um energy like, they yeah they, they feel your vibe your energy if you come in and um you know you're super bummed they kind of pick on it pick up on it based on your body language the mm. way you carry yourself um i like to say horses are experts at nonverbal body language and humans are not no. um there's a story with my dog i had a dog for about 14 years and she passed away and um, there's a particular horse that was always very lively, um, always held his head up high. And when I would go to catch him in the pasture, he was kind of like, hey, catch me if you can. Oh right. Yeah. Um, and even when I caught him, he'd be like swinging his head. And if I you know, didn't watch out for myself, I could get bumped. Uh, the day after Marley died, he read my body language because as soon as I went to catch him, he came right up to me with his head hanging low mm. and he let me put the halter and the lead rope on and he walked nice and slow with his head down the whole time. Mm. He let me brush him with his head down, kind of like saying, I feel you, girl, and I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, I think it's amazing that they can, that a massive thousand pound animal can pick up on such minute details Mm -hmm. and that's why i love horses communicating with people that have a hard time communicating in general Mm -hmm. whether it's with other humans whether it's people at work or with themselves sometimes when you put a thousand pound empathetic animal that looks like magic (laughs) 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 it opens up all kinds of communication channels because I grew up um, in Northern California half my childhood and in Mexico, um, I was multicultural, uh, multiracial, and um, my mom was a great storyteller, and I got to see so many beautiful parts of the world um, that I loved 
being around people mm-hmm. and telling, telling stories like my mother does. Mm. Um, so I started modeling and acting. Oh. And I did that from a really young age. I went to Barbizon Modeling School. Um, and then eventually I got an agent and I was doing little jobs here and there. And that's what I did in New York and I did in L.A. And I was doing some in the Bay Area, but um, by that time I was really into horses. Mm-hmm. And um, modeling and acting was super fun because you would go and somebody would do your hair for you and your makeup for you. And they would have entire freaking shoes for you and i was like this is great um but at the end of the day it didn't feel as good or as magical as hanging out with a horse uh and with other people and seeing how they communicate to the horse you'd rediscovered your love of caring for horses would you say through your cousin okay but then you and your fiance at the time Mm -hmm. then you decided to come back to san fran or to come to san francisco for the first time for the second you guys had lived here separately without knowing mm-hmm. each other he, I mm-hmm. picked that up from him mm-hmm. so what was that what was that besides being closer to family like what was what went into that decision the only way we were able to move back to San Francisco five years ago um, uh, was because Corey got a really good job and that's the only way we could afford it mm-hmm. um, LA wasn't our favorite place but it had cheap rent and it had a lot of jobs for Corey in his industry and my industry. We could have stayed there and been just as successful. But um, but he got a really good job in uh, working as a, um, at the time he was an assistant editor. Yeah. And now he's a producer. So he works in post-production. Okay. Um, and now he's at Apple. Oh. So the fruit company. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what did you think of San Francisco when you... Because you had been gone, you said, for about five years? I had been gone not quite that long. I'd been gone for a couple years um, living in Brooklyn. And when I came back, um, it had changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the five years that I've been back, it's changed even more. Mm -hmm. Even in the last six months, Mm -hmm. the the amount of change is happening so rapidly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of kooky. Did you like it when you moved back, though? Um, I was looking forward to coming back because of how I remember San Francisco sure. mm-hmm. back in, um, you know, 2009 or 10 mm-hmm. when I first moved there. Mm-hmm. Um, there, um, there was still a lot of people that um, just had normal jobs. They could pay a normal amount of rent mm-hmm. and pay a normal amount for groceries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you can't do that anymore. Yeah, and that I think that era is kind of like right. It's hard for me to market, but um, I would say like 2010, 2011 is yeah. when things got crazy. Yeah, that's so, when it started happening, right? Yeah, and I and one of the there's evictions for sure, um, but then losing a lot of businesses, a lot of bars and restaurants and mm-hmm. shops and that had been there mm-hmm. at least in 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 my time my whatever you want to call it, my generation yeah. or my tenure here. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I mark it. Mm-hmm. So 2009 and eight were kind of like the last times that it was like still that sweet version of what I yeah. moved here for. Yeah. And it's just changed. Yeah. Like you said, just even six months. Just six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think San Francisco is lovely. It feels like a, uh, a big town mm-hmm. or small city, however you want to mm-hmm. word it. Um, but, Culturally speaking, the people don't have that same um, big town vibe anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Um, living in Petrojo was lovely because um, it's an old neighborhood, and a lot of people that live on Petrojo have lived there for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would still look at you when you were on the same side of the street and say hello. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. And we're saying it now like it's very rare, but unfortunately it is rare now. It is. Um, I like people. Mm-hmm. I like saying hi to perfect strangers and striking up conversation, um, even if it isn't about horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's neighborly, right? It's neighborly. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's changed. Yeah. The people have changed. I think it's really, really cool that um, there is so much innovation and there's so much... Um, energy towards that mm-hmm. and that's super cool mm-hmm. um but it, it's also bringing um, a lot of money with it and giving it to people who've never had that kind of money mm-hmm. and who are now raising the rent for everyone else and the mm-hmm. cost of living for everyone else mm-hmm. so there's a massive gap between the haves and the have-nots um and the folks in between like my husband and i who um who love the city but um, recently, our rent went from thirty three hundred to eighty five hundred, mm-hmm. and it's totally freaking legal, mm-hmm. which blows my mind. Yeah, and we did all we could to fight it, but um, it was really stressful and expensive. Mm-hmm. Lawyers are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you know that, but uh, yeah. So anyway, we gave up on the fight, um, and now we live on the ranch where I have my mini horse, dwarf mini horse, and uh, mini donkey. So, who won? That was Liz Beeson Evans. Join us Thursday for part two, when Liz will talk about starting her nonprofit Caring Cowgirl, which provides therapeutic mini equine visits to folks in the city. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we do. Find all 70 episodes on our website, storiedsf.com, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts and you have a minute to spare, please rate and review the show for us. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.